Well, it's half time. It's the grand final. Uh, you're the coach, and it's half time. And the, the difficulty thing is, it's you're losing, and the team comes in. They're in the sheds. It's the last couple of minutes before they go back out again, and you've got to give them their last words to motivate them to get back out there. What do you say? The fire's been raging for a couple of days now, and it's right at the edge of the town. Uh, You've pulled all the firefighters into the local community hall to give them their last words about how they can go out and stop this fire from ravaging their town. What do you say? A good friend of yours has been going through a tough time lately and they come over to your house and they sit down in your lounge room and you give them a cuppa and they're there because they know that you're a Christian, that you love Jesus and they want to know how you might be able to help them in these difficult times. What do you say to them? He's in jail. Uh, He's about to be executed in the very near future, maybe days, maybe weeks, maybe months. His life is on the line. Uh, His good friend, Timothy, is back in Ephesus and uh, he's finding it tough. The church there is starting to cause some hassles. There's people going in all sorts of directions. Timothy is not really that robust a sort of bloke. He's finding it hard. So Paul writes to his mate these last words to help him stand firm. What does he say? Last words in tough times are very important, aren't they? Sometimes they can turn a team around and change their game completely. Sometimes they can be just the motivation that we need in a time of crisis. They can give a a sense of hope in a time of distress They can give direction in a time of uncertainty. In the passage that Kim just read to us, we hear some last words of Paul to Timothy in his last days. Some last words that he wants to get across to Timothy because things are difficult. That was the last scenario that I gave you. Paul is in jail. He's about to be killed. Things are tough and he wants to get out something to Timothy to say, mate, hang on to this. Don't let go of this. This will get you through. And so the whole of 2 Timothy really is almost like a book of motivation, a book of encouragement, a book of words in a time of distress, a book of words to really lift Timothy up to hang tough in these tough times that are around him. And I think they're great. Have a read through 2 Timothy, keeping that in mind, because it's great to know the context of it, because it makes you understand more about why he's saying the things that he's saying. And when we come to this passage now, I think it's a great passage because what it does is Timothy narrows it right down here to what is the big problem in Timothy's day and in our day. So let's have a look at it together. Let's see what these last words in these last days are. Let's see how Timothy narrows this down to what is the big thing, the big problem that he has to face and that we have to face and some answers to it. Uh, So let's have a look at verse 1. If you've got your Bibles, please open them up and have a look because I want you to make sure that what I'm saying is there. So have a look in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Normally we would have had it on the screen for you to read, but I've got a new computer and I've lost my program that's got a Bible thing on it, so I need to get a new program to put on it to make sure we can get the Bible on there next time. So it's good you have to actually pick up a book this time and have a look at it in the book, in the Bible. Verse 1 in chapter 3 says this, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. 
I just want to tell you a couple of things very quickly about what these verses have to say to us because these terrible times in the last days have been taken in all sorts of directions by different people at different times. Uh, Sometimes they've been used to actually split churches apart. They've taken these verses and gone to a couple of other verses and tried to make a whole theology that has really pulled churches apart. Uh, Not only that, but some people have taken these things and made fools of themselves by claiming stuff that it doesn't claim. So, you see, in the Bible, it does talk about the last days. And it talks about the last day. So there's two senses there. There's the last days, which are the days leading up to the last day. The last day, the Bible says, is when Jesus returns. And the last days are the days between when Jesus rose from the dead, went into heaven, and when he comes back. Now, let me explain that to you. Because some people have tried to say, well, there's different sections and different time periods and all that sort of stuff. But I don't think the Bible talks about that at all. We've tried to confuse something that actually the Bible makes very simple. So if you have a look, uh, I don't know whether you saw about 10 years ago, I think it was when I first got to Sydney, there was a group of people who said that Jesus was returning on a certain date in about 1997. Uh, There were a group of people in uh, Gladesville, a church there, and they had placards all over the city, everything was on, and on that very time, on that very date, people were standing out there, there were film cameras happening, and nothing happened. Well, I wonder why. Because no one knows when the last days are, when the last day will be. It's not something that we actually need to concern ourselves about in one sense, about trying to work it out. We need to be ready for it, but we don't need to work it out. You see, the Bible tells us that we're actually in the last days now. If you go back to Acts chapter 2, look at this at home, Acts chapter 2 verses 14 to 17, you'll see that Peter is preaching and he preaches about what Joel said in the Old Testament. Joel said in the Old Testament, in the last days people will be doing such and such, such and such. And Peter says, these are the last days. Starts when Jesus goes back to heaven after Jesus' resurrection. If you go to Hebrews chapter 1, the writer of Hebrews chapter 1 says, "Uh, In the past God has spoken these ways, but in the last day he has spoken to us through Jesus Christ. The last days are the period between when Jesus rose and when Jesus returns. Paul says to Timothy here in the last days, and he gives this whole list of stuff, he's saying, you're going to experience these today, Timothy. This is going to happen now. So what he's saying is we're in the last days now. It's not a period of time. You're just in them. It's been 2,000 years. It's a long time, isn't it, to be ready for the last days. But obviously it's closer to when it was when they said it. But we've got no idea when it's going to happen now. Just go and have a look at what Jesus says in Matthew 24. He says, we don't know. It's going to be like a thief in the night. In 1 Thessalonians, we see that Paul says, you don't know. You can't be ready for it. It's just going to happen. In the moment... It will happen. Jesus will return. So what I'm saying to you today is when we look at this passage here, when it's talking about the last days, it's saying that you're going to experience the stuff that Paul's talking about now, now, Timothy. Now, you people sitting here in Evanshead Presbyterian Church. And when we find out what the Bible says, it says, don't get caught up with trying to work out when it's going to happen. Just get on with what God wants you to do now. Be ready for it and get on with what God wants you to do now. Don't spend a whole lot of time trying to work out when because you can't work it out. Uh, If you pick up any of our magazines that we get for our um, TV guide, 
Go through and you'll find at least one page in there about a seminar about someone interpreting the end times and about to say it's going to happen here. Don't go. <laughs> the Bible is clear. You don't need to spend your time looking at that. Just get on with what God wants you to do now. Don't spend a whole lot of time trying to work it out. God's got more important things for you to do now. You need to get on with what he wants you to do. That is to get out there and tell people about Jesus. Get out there and love people. Get out there and show what God's like. Don't try and work it out. You're in it. You're in the last days. Be ready for it. It's going to happen. But get on with what God wants you to do now. See, that's what Paul's saying to Timothy in this passage. He says, mate, stand tall. Hang tough. It's going to be tough out there. Times are going to be difficult in these last days but hang tough now so can I encourage you if you don't know Jesus yet if you haven't given your life to him then be assured you need to before the last day you see when Jesus returns there's no second chances okay everyone will know who he is then you don't have to be any brainy whiz gig to try and work out who Jesus is at that point in time. It's already happened. Everyone's going to know. What Jesus wants you to know is to know him now, before then. So when he comes, he welcomes you rather than rejects you. So can I ask you, please, I don't know where you're all at. I don't know where you're all thinking. I'm not too sure what you're at. You might be just starting to investigate stuff. Don't leave it. Find out about Jesus now because when the last day happens, there's no more chances, guys. And we don't know when that is. Don't believe it. For you, those of you who have given your lives to Jesus, then get on with what God wants you to do. Get on with loving people. Get on with sharing Jesus. Get on with doing the things that God desires you to do in the world that he's put around you. Get on with that. Uh, it'd be no good if I said that I love chickens and I'm a chicken farmer and I lived in a house where I do and had no chickens. I wouldn't be a particularly good representative for chicken farmers, would I? I wouldn't show that I had any passion for it. So if we were going to be followers of Jesus, then we really need to be people who look like we're followers of Jesus. We need to be passionate about that. We need to live that way. We need to show that that's what we're on about in how we live. And what we're about to see now is Paul tells us the key factor in how we do that so have a listen please when you look at this because this passage is a great passage and see what the key thing is Paul narrows down to what is the main problem in the world and who is the main problem in the world okay have a read listen to it and see what it says see everything pick it out in verse 2 he says this people will be lovers of themselves lovers of money boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous rather than lovers of God. Did you pick it up? Did you see the two things that make the big difference? the very first thing he says and the very last thing he says what does he tell us it is people will be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God did you see how well he put it together 
that is the big issue for you and I. That is the big issue in the world that's around us. You see, if you picked up that passage and you read all those things and you saw all those character traits, there's 20 of them there. And you read through them and you thought, oh no, I think I want to sneak out the back door right now because Paul's going to nail me on something in there. He's going to go that I'm boastful or I'm proud or he's going to hit me that I'm vengeful or I'm violent or I'm treacherous. I read it and I thought, strike, I probably want to sneak out the back myself and leave this place vacant so that I don't get nailed by it. But the amazing thing is that Paul in one sense is saying that there's a key to not ending up like those ones in the middle. The key to ending up like those ones in the middle is to deal with the very first thing and the very last thing about being lovers of ourselves or being lovers of God. You see, according to Queen Oprah, the key, thing, the key thing for all of us is that we need to love ourselves or we can't love anyone. Well, I'm afraid Queen Oprah is wrong. You see, that is our very big problem. That is our issue. That is the issue with our world because we keep telling ourselves we've got to love ourselves first. And, you know, the problem with that is we can't. And the problem with that is that what we do is we end up using other people to try and make ourselves feel better and feel loved. You see, if we just think it's all about loving ourselves, what happens is the person that I go and relate with, I'm not actually looking out for what's best for them. I'm not actually loving them. I desire them to love me, to make me feel loved. When I think about my job, well, I'm going to earn money to make as much as I can to make me feel good and better about myself so that I'm loved. Do you see how it flips it? We actually become very, very self-centred if it's all about loving ourselves first. Because when you love yourself first, if that is your key goal first, if that is number one in your mind, then everyone and everything else is second. And that means that we will be lovers of money, that we'll be abusive, that we will be violent because it's all about us first. Whereas we need to get it round the right way. Yes, the Bible says to us that we need to love God first. In loving God first, then we'll be able to love others and then we will also love ourselves. It changes the order. As soon as we get the order wrong, then things go wrong. There will be terrible times, says Paul when people are lovers of themselves. You see, the goal of loving ourselves, making that our number one goal, it then means that we become selfish and everyone else is just a means to an end. And everything else is just a means to an end. That's the first problem with it. And the second problem is that you and I aren't big enough and strong enough to love ourselves enough to be loved, to feel loved. Because we're working from a, a position of deficiency. We, we don't actually have enough within us by ourselves to do that. But when we go for God first and him loving us, then we go to someone who is in abundance. God's love is beyond and greater than anything else that we can possibly imagine. And as his love fills us, then we're able to love others and we know that we're loved and we will feel loved and we will be loved and we'll be able to love other people. It's hard, isn't it? Because we are so attuned in our society to think it's the other way around first, that we've got to love ourselves first, 
because we are so man-centric or human-centric. Everything we do relates to what happens to us. We're so much about who we are and what we are and I'm sorry, you look at the world and what it's like and it's not a great place. We've actually destroyed the world and we keep destroying it. And no matter how good we get at technology, we are still hurting each other as much now as what we did 2,000 years ago as what we did 4,000 years ago. We are not getting better, even if we are trying to say that we're human-centred. It's not working. Why? Because that's not the way God designed us. God designed us to love him first and then others and then we will feel loved and be loved. And then there won't be the terrible times, the things that he lists out in front of us. It's hard to work through, isn't it? Because I think we have been so conditioned to think the other way. I did education when I went through college. And education, the whole education system is based on a humanistic model. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Everything relates back up to you. That is the core foundational thing of educational theory. And that is spread out to everything that happens around us. It's all about you. Whereas the Bible says... It's all about God and him. And as we love him, it flows into us and then we love others and we'll be loved ourselves. You can tell me what the great commandment is that God gave us. The greatest commandment. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest law? What's the greatest commandment that we can live by? What is it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and love your neighbour as yourself. Do you see the order? got to get God first. That is where our love needs to be first and foremost. And then it will work out in other ways. Uh, I don't know whether you, many of you wear shirts, if you wear them for work and stuff like that. I only wear them for funerals and weddings when I have to do up my top button. But if I do that and I go first to the middle button, more often than not, when I start with the middle button, it just ends up skew if. It's all over the place and I've got to start again. And you know how stupid men are. We try for the middle again because I'm going to get it this time. Can't do it. And you do it and it goes skew F again. It goes out. And then I look in the mirror and I think, you idiot. And I say, go for the top button. And you go for the top button and guess what? It just all flows down and they're all lined up and all you have to do is put them in. How good's that? And that's what we need with our lives. We need to get our top button done up first. That is our relationship with God, to love him first. And we can do that because of the love of Jesus. You see, God loved us before we loved him. God gave his son on the cross who died for everything that we've ever done wrong and took the punishment for us and says, now come to me because I want to love you. Love me like I love you is what God desires. When we get that top button up, we can actually start doing the other buttons in our lives. I want to go out on a limb here. I want to say to you here this morning that the key, the biggest problem that we face in this world today, that we face in this community today, that you face in your life today, is not the economic crisis. It's not the war in Iraq is not the breakdown in society around us 
not the fact that you can walk down our street on Friday, Saturday nights and their kids are out drinking. Now, don't get me wrong, they're important issues. But the key issue for you and I and for this world today is who do we love? Who do we love the most? Ourselves or God? You see, Paul says to Timothy, there are going to be terrible times in the last days, in these days, ladies and gentlemen, today, when people are lovers of self and not lovers of God. You see, so often I think that we get caught up, that we've, we, we work on the, on the effects of stuff and not the causes of stuff. We see all this stuff going wrong and basically we just try and patch it all up when the real issue is about who we love the most. Imagine if one of my ch- child, one of my children, came to me one day and had measles and they had all these bumps all over them and I thought, oh, right, I know what to do here, being a great bloke again, I'm going to get Band-Aids and I'm going to put Band-Aids over every little dot that's coming up because that's what will fix them, putting Band-Aids all over them, all over those little spots that are coming up. Well, what would happen is I'd end up using three boxes of... Uh, Band-Aids and my son or daughter would look like a mummy. He'd just be covered. But they wouldn't be fixing the measles problem, would it? It's just the effect of something that's more important on the inside. The cause, the virus. And the same with us. We tend to think we've got to put all these Band-Aids over stuff, but in the end, ultimately, it's only dealing with the effects. It can help, it can alleviate things to a point, it can soothe things to a point, but in the end, it doesn't change the problem. The solution to the problem is our heart. The solution to our problem is who do we love the most? God or ourselves? You see, the great thing is that God gives us the solution. We don't have to go and try and find it. He has given us in himself, in Jesus... Jesus comes in and transforms our lives. When we trust him for what he has done in our lives, when we put our trust in him and we seek him and pursue him, then these other things will start to sort themselves out. We'll actually be agents in the change of these terrible times. That God will transform us through Jesus and we will transform communities through the way that we live and love amongst the people around us. You see, whenever in our lives we are disconnected from Jesus, there will be terrible times. We need to pursue him and he will change us. Turn from self to him. You see, Christians are to be people of change. I don't know whether you've worked that out yet or not. We're not to be people of tradition. We're not to be people who are stuck in a rut. We are to be people of change. Our lives are to be changing daily. We're to be going from lovers of self to lovers of, from from lovers of self, sorry, from lovers of money, from being boastful, from being proud, from being abusive, from being unholy, from being unloving, from being unforgiving, from being lovers of pleasure to being lovers of God. You see how it changes? Sometimes when we look at lists like this, we tend to think, well, I've just got to go and tick off the list. 
and I'll, I'll be okay. Well, actually, Paul's saying to Timothy, mate, it's not about less, it's about who you love. You've got to get that right first. We need to be lovers of God, guys, and not lovers of ourselves. And when we do that, then those terrible times will start to change. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, it's, uh, sometimes it's hard to work through what you're saying to us and sometimes it's uh, even harder to apply it to ourselves, Lord. And we pray, Lord, now that we'll just take a, a moment uh, to contemplate what we've heard and to contemplate what we've read and to really analyse our lives, Lord. Who do we love the most? Who do we pursue the most? Lord, we pray that by your spirit you will change us to be people who pursue you, who love you, Lord, with our whole heart, soul and mind. And Lord, as we do that, then Lord, we'll become lovers of others. And in that, Lord, we'll also love ourselves because we know that we are loved by you. Lord, may we find our strength in you, Lord. May we find our sense of who we are in you. May we get our top buttons done up, Lord. And then go out and live for you, Lord. And impact this world around us before Jesus returns. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.